So we're in our series, Hearing Loss. How do we hear the voice of God? Does God still speak? Uh, it's a question that we really sought to answer last week in the affirmative that God does speak. In fact, I uh, heard a number of really cool stories uh, of ways that God interacted with some of us last Sunday. Uh, maybe God even showed up in a way that you weren't expecting this past week. Um, next week, I want to answer the question, how do I know if it's my voice or God's voice? Because that's a pretty common question that I think many of us have. Like, sometimes it's difficult to tell. This week, I want to I try to answer the question, what do I do when God seems confusing? Um, 20 years ago, uh, I was finishing up my uh, first uh, stint as a youth pastor at a church in Chicago, church that we loved, but because some stuff that was happening, we knew God was calling us uh, on, and uh, we took a job in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Now, before we left, though, I was still living in, uh, we were living in Chicago, Brenda and I. Uh, we were going for a walk down by the lake, and I didn't even have language back then for how God would speak, but I knew God would, like, sometimes, like, give me a sense of something, right? So I was just a youth uh, middle school pastor at this church, and uh, had gone through some really difficult leadership transitions. Uh, I was like, low, low, low person on the totem pole, didn't know anything, just graduated from seminaries, first job, right? And uh, through some of those leadership transitions, God wound up giving me a voice that I didn't deserve to have based on the level of experience and, and just everything. And I realized at that time, uh, while Brenda and I were on this walk, it was probably about a week or two before we uh, were to move to Grand Rapids, I felt like God say to me in that moment, Torn, I'm, I'm going to ask you to lead a church someday. Now, I didn't sense that I was supposed to at that time. I didn't even want to. Uh, I love being a youth pastor. Being a youth pastor is one of my favorite jobs. I feel like whatever, whatever job I have tends to be my favorite job. <laughs> but I was, man. I love being a youth pastor. I love being this pastor now, too. I told God, maybe, I'm willing, but like, I just want to be a youth pastor right now. And God was like, cool, but I felt that in that moment. Well, fast forward 10 years. I've been working at this church, Calvary Church, over the Beltline for 10 years. Youth ministry there, love it. And all of a sudden, though, I start to sense something in my spirit that God is saying, all right, um, I think it's, it's time. So I'm kind of sensing this. Like, it wasn't a moment. It wasn't like a word. It was just this sense that the Spirit began to give me. So I went and I preached at this church down in uh, Caledonia called Brightside. Preached there one Sunday, and I was like, I really like this. And this seems like a cool church. And they don't have a senior pastor. And so I was like, Lord, like, this is it, right? Like, this is what I should do. And God said to me, okay, I know where you're at. I'll come find you when I'm ready. <laughs> and I was like, that's great, Lord, but how are they going to know? <laughs> like, should I put my resume in? Like, let them know I'm interested? Like, and God said, I know where you're at. I'll come find you when I'm ready. So I uh, went and preached there again a couple weeks later. And then nothing happened for another six months. And they hired a senior pastor and never went anywhere. And I was like, all right, Lord, like that seemed weird. Seemed like you were kind of getting me ready for something. And then nothing ever came of it. Then uh, out of nowhere, um, I hear about this church out in Holland. And they're looking for a teaching pastor. They don't have a senior pastor at the time. 
A guy had been there for a while, done a great job, phenomenal ministry. Uh, God had used him in some really cool ways, and God had called him onto another ministry. They're looking for somebody. I have two friends that have applied for the position. And I still felt like God said, I know where you're at. I'll come find you when I'm ready. And so I felt like God was saying, I don't, you can't put your resume in. And I was like, man, that's not fair. Then it got worse because uh, not only was a, a good friend of mine, Dave McGovern, who was on staff with us for the last couple of years, Dave had become uh, the youth pastor out at that church. Dave and I had worked together for four years at, at Calvary, and now he's out there. Then Jordan, our Jordan, okay, comes to me. We had been working together for seven years, all right? He was my right-hand guy. Like, we just, like, did everything together, all right? Comes to me, and he says, hey, um, there's this position out at uh, Ridgepoint in Holland, and uh, I, think, I think God wants me to apply for it. And I was like, no, come on, man, you can't do that. Because like, here's what I knew. Uh, he did all the work, and I got all the glory in the youth ministry. I'm like, if he leaves, everybody's going to know, like, right? The, the emperor has no clothes. So uh, he tells me, and, and I'm, I'm so excited for him. Excuse me. I'm super excited for him, but I'm also bummed for me. Because Dave's over there, Dave and I, good friends in ministry. Now Jordan's probably going to get hired over there because I know how talented and amazing the guy is. And I know as soon as they meet him, they're going to want to hire him. And I got two friends that have put in their resumes for this position, and I can't. So uh, one Saturday afternoon, uh, I see a Number on my phone, don't know who it is, so I let it go to voicemail, and uh, I look at it a little bit later, and it's someone from Ridgepoint, and they say, uh, hello, Torin, uh, my name's so-and-so, and your name's come up uh, a few different times about this position that we have. Would you be interested in talking with us? And instantly, I knew. I went and told Brenda that right then. I was like, babe, listen to this. We're moving to Holland. Now, I hadn't even talked to Ridgepoint yet. Hadn't even had a conversation with him yet. Now, I get into the interview process. Things are going great. I find out that a teaching pastor is just that, and someday they hope to hire a senior pastor, a lead pastor. So I said to them in my first interview with the elders, I said, hey, I know God's calling me here, and I'm willing to come, like 100% if you think God's calling me here too. But you need to know, I, I think I'm probably like more passionate about leading than I am about teaching. Like, I think that's probably where I'm a little bit, like, better, because at that point, I had never really talked to adults, like, for any length of time. And I said, I'd really rather, like, interview for, like, a, a lead, this lead pastor position. Uh, and they said, okay. <laughs> and then they said, but you know we're hiring you for the teaching pastor position, right? And I said, yes, I do. And so I took the position, knowing why God had called me there. God had already told me. He was getting me ready to lead a church. And now this is a church that doesn't have a leader. And yes, I'm just a teaching pastor, but God's going to make it obvious. So within two months, four of the six executive team on the church wound up being released by the elders. Had nothing to do with me. I was brand new. It was some stuff that had kind of happened earlier. Now, all of a sudden, I'm basically leading the entire staff. In that same time, uh, Jordan gets promoted. He did get hired a month before me. He gets promoted, and he's overseeing all of worship arts. Uh, Dave McGovern, 
who was the youth pastor, gets promoted as well during this time. He's overseeing all the family ministry. Two guys that I had worked with for four years and seven years, they're now leading huge pieces of the church. Me as a teaching pastor, I'm doing most of the teaching, and I'm leading the, pretty much the entire staff at this point. And I'm like, this is so obvious. Like, God, you're, you're so good. This is crazy. You're setting everything up. Meanwhile, another guy that I had worked with in the past that had been an intern with me, he gets hired. I had nothing to do with it. I'm like, oh, come on. This is so obvious, right? God's setting this up. They're going to recognize we're getting health. They're going to see I'm supposed to be the next lead pastor. And a year and a half into this, they came to me and they said, um, we think we've got a lead pastor. He's going to be here next week. And I was like, excuse me? Hello? Like, he's been here all along. (laughs) And they hired the next lead pastor, who had a lot more experience than I did, and is a phenomenal guy. Here's the rub, though. All the things that I had been doing that I loved doing were things that now I had to step back so that he could step in and do himself. And I found out that uh, I wasn't super good at stepping back. God had some stuff that he needed to do in my own heart. And in that moment, when he came in and I stepped back, there wasn't really a whole lot for me to do. What I had been hired to do, I wasn't needed in the same way. And so over the course of the next year and a half of us working together, it became obvious that like, my time there was probably coming to an end and I needed to probably step in and find uh, a place that God would call uh, Brenda and I to to step in and lead. And uh, there was this church in Hudsonville, and they didn't have a lead pastor at the time. And so uh, roundabout way, they heard about me, I heard about them, we started praying, went through an interview process. They brought me on as a candidate on Easter Sunday. Because the churches were so close, we had to tell Ridgepoint that I was a candidate, and I was probably going to be leaving, my time was coming to an end, so we tell Ridgepoint, I preach. Uh, on on Easter at this church. They're going to vote on me the next Sunday. This is where I'm going to step into. And after I get done on Easter, I have an overwhelming sense, and my wife does as well, that we are not supposed to say yes. And I do not know why. We've already told Ridgepoint that I'm leaving. So I call up the elders of this church that I've been interacting with for a few months now, and I say, I don't know what's going on, but God's telling me I have to say no. I'm not supposed to be the lead pastor of this church. There's a whole other story with that that I would love to be able to share, what God was up to, because he was up to something, but at the time, all I was was confused. And so about three months after that, my time at Ridgepoint came to an end, and I didn't have a job. First time in 20 years since I graduated college that I was not working full-time, and I will tell you, I was lost. I didn't think that God had gone, but I did feel like God had gone silent. He still interacted with me, but I had no idea where he was guiding me, what he was doing. When I think about the fact that God can sometimes feel very confusing, here's something that I've learned in the last number of years. The Bible is clear. God is mysterious. He's mysterious. But God is also consistent. Uh, We see in Isaiah 55, God says this in verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens 
are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I thought all along what God was up to. I thought I could peg it. I thought God had showed me. I thought God had told me. I thought God was setting the stage. Look at everything that's happening. Of course, this is what God wants. And then, nothing. And in that moment, I realized God is mysterious. But God is also consistent. And the ways that God has guided in the past are the ways that God wants to guide you and I today and in the future. And in his grace, through those next number of months, God did continue to guide. You see, I can look back on it now and I can be like, oh, well, duh. God was doing so many things that I needed to have done in my life so that I could finally get to my dream job. TLC. I would never have planted a church. Are you kidding me? That's the stupidest thing ever. Who plants churches? Idiots. That's who. But God brought me there because they had a heart for church planting, and I needed to have that heart put into me. Who would hire a youth pastor that's never taught adults to teach adults all the time? They did, because they knew I needed that experience. God knew that I needed to have a heart for the lost. Ridgepoint had a heart for the lost. God knew that there was some things in my life that I didn't think I struggled with that he knew I did. Anytime you think you don't struggle with pride probably means you got a lot of it. And God was slowly shaping my own heart through pain at times. But I'm glad he did, and he continues to do that. God may be mysterious, but he is consistent. So what I'd like to do today is there's at least 12 ways God has spoken in the past that I think God still uses today and will in the future. I'm not going to give you all 12. I had six that I gave in the first service. I'm actually only going to, I'll give you all six, but I'm not even going to talk about the first one. We'll deal with that a little bit more next week. But what I want to do today is kind of move into a time of teaching, okay? I generally prefer to preach, but today I'm going to teach a little bit, okay? So what I need you to do is uh, if you're a note taker, this is the day for you, okay? So I'm going to give you six ways that God has spoken in the past that I think you can look for God to speak today. If you're like, man, I don't know how to hear God's voice sometimes, and sometimes it seems confusing. Know that these are six ways that God has spoken in the past that I believe he wants to speak and use to speak to you and guide you today and in the future, okay? So I'm going to give you these six things. The first one is the Bible, all right? That one feels like a, oh, duh, but no, it's so true. God will use his word at times to highlight something that he needs to say to you. Even if you're just walking through it in a like, a, oh, I just got to do this, and I'm just checking it off my list, and it's the Bible reading thing, and I'm just going. Look, even in that moment, God, in his grace and love for you, might highlight something, pop it out. I'm not going to talk anymore about this. We're going on to number two. We'll spend a little bit more time talking next week. Number two is simply this, individual and corporate prayer and fasting. So this could be individual prayer and fasting or corporate prayer and fasting. Uh, we do this sometimes during the uh, season of Lent. Fasting is just giving up something. It could be food, could be social media, uh, could be sugar or alcohol, could be just something that you're going to give up for a period of time to try to listen to God's voice. There's something that you're looking for him to do. So prayer is obviously that, prayer. I asked Jordan if I could share a little bit of his story of how God spoke to him to come and help 
plant TLC. Um, he allowed me to. Jordan's actually leading worship at uh, Central Wesleyan Church, our sending church uh, this morning. They invited him to come back and, and lead worship for them. So I said, hey, man, you all right if I share your story a little bit? And he's like, yeah, it's cool. Uh, Jordan actually got hired a month before I did from Calvary Church to Ridgepoint. Two months later, they saw just how talented and gifted he was, not just as a worship leader, but as a leader and pastor of people. And so he wound up getting promoted pretty quickly to oversee all of worship arts, and he was crushing it. Seriously, like he's just a phenomenally gifted individual, loves Jesus, and uh, he's doing a great job. He had been able to hire his entire staff, guys and gals that just loved working with him. And uh, he was raising up young leaders and uh, had a big church, nice big budget. He was able to do a lot of really cool stuff, uh, kind of really flex his creative uh, muscles along with his team. And like, it was a great thing. Jordan and I had worked together, like I said, for seven years at Calvary. And then we worked together another three years at Ridgepoint. So we've got like a decade of just like doing life together. Uh, we think about church the same way. We've got similar passions, but we've got different giftings. And so we're a really good mesh for one another. When I say that we've been working together for a long time, this is what I mean by we've been working together for a long time. Like a pre-beard Torin, okay? Like that's how long. That's a great picture, isn't it? I have no idea what we were doing. And it actually looks like it's Photoshopped. It's not. Um, just looks like that. I came to Jordan after I realized that God was calling me. Okay, get rid of that picture right now. They, they can't, can't see anything but that picture now. Um, I came to Jordan after uh, Brenda and I realized God was calling us to plant the church. And I said to Jordan, I said, hey, man, I feel like God's calling Brenda and I to plant the church. We don't know where he's going to send us. We're not sure where, where it's going to be. Um, but there's nobody I love doing ministry more with than you. And I know how talented and gifted you are. Would you consider leaving what you've got right now, what God has called you to, and come and plant with us? And Jordan looked at me and he said, no. <laughs> Literally told me no right off the bat. Now it was because God hadn't told Jordan anything yet. And I said to Jordan, that's fair, but would you at least pray about it? <laughs> and he did. He said, yeah, absolutely, we will pray about it. And so he and Dana, they started spending time, consistent time praying. Jordan was fasting. Uh, certain days of the week to, to just try to listen to God's voice and hear because uh, I was asking him to do something that was way outside of Jordan's comfort zone. If you know Jordan well, you know that he's a planner. He likes to cross his T's and dot his I's. He likes to kind of know what's coming. And he'll even tell you, there's times where he likes, he's not a change guy. When there's consistency, he feels right at home. And so here I was coming to him where he's now moved his entire family to Holland. They're in schools that they love. They've got a house that they love. Finally, it took him a long time to find it. He's at a church that he loves with people that he loves, a ministry that he feels called to. And I've come and just said, would you consider praying about leaving all of that and jumping in with us? And by the way, we don't even know where we're going to be yet. All we know is you're just going to have to move. And so Jordan said, I started praying and just asking God. And God slowly, over the course of a number of months, it wasn't like a one single thing. So over the course of a number of months, he said, I just felt my heart begin to open up in a way that like, was weird for me, but I still had this fear. Like, God, I don't, I don't know what the future is going to look like, and I know what this future looks like if I stay here. And he said, one day I was out on a prayer walk. Um, he's, that's one of the ways Jordan likes to pray. He likes to go for walks in the woods, and he'll pray, and he'll worship God. And so he's out walking and talking with God, and uh, 
he pops in uh, his earbuds and starts worshiping God, and a song comes on in the playlist he wasn't prepared for is No Longer Slaves. And part of the Part of the lyrics of that says, I am no longer a slave to fear, I am a child of God. And he said it was in that moment when that lyric hit that I heard the voice of God so strongly during that time of prayer that I'm calling you out and I know it's scary, but you're not a a slave to fear anymore. You can trust that I actually hold the future that I know even better than you know. And so as I think uh, he wanted to spend some time talking it over with Dana before he ever came back to Brenda and I, but he came back not too long after that and said, I know God's calling us to step into this. Jordan heard God in a time of prayer because that's one of the ways God has spoken in the past and one of the ways that God wants to speak today to you and to so, uh, to, to so many more, uh, not just today, but in the future. So that's the second way. Third way is putting out a fleece. How many of you guys have ever heard that term before? putting out a fleece. Okay, just a few of you. There's a whole bunch of you that have not. You're like, what in the world is he talking about? All right, you know what a Columbia fleece is? Okay, it's legit kind of like that, all right? A fleece is just another name for like uh, a a wool blanket, okay? And that's why they call them fleeces, because they feel kind of like wool, all right? And so uh, there's this dude in the Old Testament, his name is Gideon. Dude's really kind of a chicken, little punk, all right? He's afraid, he's hiding out, uh, he's not brave or anything like that, and God comes and finds him. And I think God comes and finds him on purpose because God wants to say, it's not about you, Gideon, it's about the God that you serve. And so he tells Gideon, I'm going to use you to rescue Israel, the whole nation, from the Philistines, this other huge nation that had kind of been uh, conquering them and, and, and uh, beating them down, and he's like, I'm gonna use you. And Gideon's like, woo, for real? Because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about this. And so uh, Gideon puts out a fleece, literally. Flip over to Judges chapter 6, just before, if you're flipping back, you get 2 Samuel, then 1 Samuel, then you hit Judges, Ruth and Judges. Judges chapter 6, Gideon is talking to God, verse 36, says, Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, God, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there's dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. The ground is dry. The fleece is wet. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. Okay? So this is Gideon saying, God, you've called me to do something that there's going to be great opposition against. This is not going to be an easy task. I need to know that it's you. I need to know that it's you and not just some crazy thing that I've thought up in my mind. And so he asks God to do something that only God could do. And God, in his generosity and love, does it. Not just once, but twice. A lot of times I think we think like, oh, well, isn't God going to be angry with me? Like, if I just don't obey immediately. No, our God is so gracious and generous and patient. He speaks to us not because he's angry but because of his love. He speaks to us because of what he wants to do in us and through us. And so he does it for Gideon. And so when we talk about putting out a fleece, 
Uh, I know of a family that said, God, we're not sure where to move. We know we're supposed to buy a house. We don't know which one to buy. So God, would you show us by having the house have a red door? We don't know what neighborhood you want us in. And so they prayed about it, and they started looking, and they show up to one house. It's got a red door. And they said, all right, this is the one, and they bought it. And they've seen how God has used them in that neighborhood because of what they had and what that neighborhood needed. Now, I want to say this. A fleece can be a little bit tricky at times, all right? We don't get to, like, tell God what he's got to do. We don't even get to tell God how he has to speak to us, okay? And this is never an issue of, like, uh, should I choose sin or should I not choose sin? Lord, give me a fleece. No, 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 no. When God has already spoken clearly, we don't need a fleece. So if you're like, God, I've got some things that I want to do. I want to be more generous. Uh, We've got some stuff coming up in our family. Um, God, I need a raise. God, I feel like I'm supposed to ask my boss for a raise. So uh, God, if you want me to ask my boss for a raise, if that's how you want to provide, right? Because God doesn't need to give you a raise at work to provide for you. He can do it in other ways. But if, if God, I'm supposed to ask my boss for a raise, uh, I know he's never, he doesn't work uh, on Fridays, so if, if I'm at the office Friday afternoon and he's sitting at his desk, then God, I'll know that that's how you want me to ask my boss. I'm supposed to do that. So you show up on Friday, boss is sitting in his chair, you're like, all right, Lord, like that's, he's never there. It's something you could have done. You show up on Friday, boss is not sitting in his chair. That doesn't mean that God doesn't still want you to ask for a raise. What it means, it could mean that, but it also might mean God doesn't want to speak to you through a fleece. God wants to speak to you in another way. So fleeces can be a little bit tricky, but it is a way that God has spoken in the past, which means it's a way that he will speak or can speak right now and in the future. The third thing, inner prompting from the Spirit. Inner prompting from the Spirit. Um, There's this uh, guy in uh, the book of Acts. His name is Philip. Philip uh, winds up being called an evangelist because he's really good at just talking about Jesus. And uh, there's a story in Acts chapter 8. I'm not even going to have you turn there, but Philip gets told by an angel of the Lord to go to this road and wait at this crossroads. Philip's like, all right. He goes there. He's chilling. And then it says, the spirit came to Philip and said, you see that chariot over there? Go stand near it. Turns out, that uh, if you owned a chariot, that meant you were a baller, okay? Because the average person didn't have a chariot. Like, you were a big baller. Turns out as the dude was uh, uh, an Ethiopian, he ran the treasury for all of Ethiopia, for the queen of the Candrake, okay? So this dude was like big time. And God, now, through the Spirit, just said, I want you to go over and stand by that chariot. So he goes over, stands by the chariot. He listens to the dude who's reading the scroll of Isaiah. All right, you had to have big money to own a scroll. And he's sitting there reading it. Philip says to him, you know what you're reading? Dude's like, how am I supposed to know what I'm reading unless somebody explains to me? He's like, well, let me explain it to you. And he happens to be reading a prophecy about Jesus. And Philip gets up into the chariot, hangs out with him, explains what's going on in the prophecy, how Jesus fulfills the prophecy. Jesus died, rose again. The Ethiopian's like, dude, I stink and believe. I've been waiting for this. He's like, I want to become a Christian. He gives his life to Jesus. Philip's like, yo, we should get baptized. Dude's like, yeah, let's get baptized. They go to Jordan, he gets baptized. Awesome. Amazing, right? All of that, that's a prompting from the Spirit. Philip didn't hear anything out here. It wasn't like someone's like, Philip, this is the Holy Spirit. 
I speak in monotone, and I want you to go stay. Like that's, he, all right, if he did that, that would freak Philip out and freak out the Ethiopian because he would have heard too, okay? No, it's something internal, a prompting from the Spirit when you're just like, I'm, I think I'm supposed to help that person. I'm supposed to pull over and help that person change the tire. I think I'm supposed to do whatever. I've had a number of different times when the Holy Spirit has prompted me to either invite somebody to church, to ask if I could pray for them, I had one time, this is no joke, uh, you've probably heard me talk about this. I'm sitting in Starbucks one day, dude walks in, his shoe's untied, and I felt like the Holy Spirit say to me, go tie that man's shoe. And I said, no, that is weird. You didn't say, you don't talk, that, that's stupid talk. We don't, that's not from God, no way. And I felt the Spirit say, go tie the man's shoe. And I said to God, I'll tie the man's shoe only if he walks over and stands by where they like give out, the, like if he doesn't get his drink now and he goes over there and he stands. Dang it, he went over there and stood. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, go tie them in. I said, fine. So I went over there. Now, you can't just walk up to a grown man, being another grown man, okay, and say, can I tie your shoe, all right? <laughs> it's just, even I know that's off limits, okay? So I had to figure out how I'm going to do this. How am I going to do this, Lord? So I went up, and I literally walked up to the guy, and I knelt down before he could say anything. <laughs> and I looked up at him, I said, is it okay if I tie your shoe <laughs> while I'm reaching for it, all right? And the man said, sure. And I said, I'm sorry, this is weird, but like, I felt like God told me. And he's like, really? I just told God, if you're real, have somebody come tie my shoe. And so I talked about Jesus, and I baptized him in the fountain. I'm kidding. That did not happen. No, no, that would have been awesome, right? No, I don't get that story. That, that story is the Bible. My story is just a weird dude who tied another dude's shoes. Like, that's all. I, but I'm trying to listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> uh, God did that another time for me once when I was sitting in worship. Uh, I'd been the pastor, uh, the teaching pastor at Ridgepoint only for a few weeks at that point. There was a lady that I was sitting next to. I'd never met her before. She's pregnant. And I felt like God say during the last worship song before I'm supposed to go up and, and teach, uh, tell her that I see her child and everything's going to be okay. You don't tell a pregnant woman that especially when you don't know her. And I felt the Holy Spirit say it so strongly. And I was like, no, God, I can't. Like, that's, I don't want to, I don't know her. And the Spirit just kept imparting this up. And so I, right before I went up, I said, I know this is going to sound weird, but I felt like God told me to tell you, he sees you and your baby and everything's going to be okay. And then I had to walk up on stage. And I saw her and she started just, Tears just coming down. I didn't see her again for a few weeks. A few weeks went by, and uh, I got done up teaching, and I hadn't even seen her in the, in the audience, and she came up, and, and she said, I need to tell you something. Uh, you freaked me out that day. She said, I actually had an appointment the next Monday, and I went into the appointment, and everything had been fine in my pregnancy up until that time, and then all of a sudden they found some things that concerned the doctors. And uh, I had to go through some stuff and just want you to know uh, we had our baby and everything's fine. And she said, thank you for listening because I needed that reassurance from God that he not only saw me, but everything was going to be okay. I needed to hear that in that moment. And I was like, because I was scared of that. But that's what it looks like sometimes when we listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. God will sometimes tell us things that are scary to hear, 
but so much we need to hear. Um, there's a guy in our church, uh, his name's Chris. He's on our prayer team. You guys know we have a prayer team. Um, people that need prayer after the service come up. We have people that would love to just to pray with you, pray over you, listen to the Spirit on your behalf. I don't know why we don't have more people take advantage of it, quite honestly. Y'all ought to experience it and be prayed for. It is a good thing. So, mini commercial. Chris is on our prayer team. Now, the prayer team doesn't just pray after the services. They're actually praying throughout the service. Praying for you, praying for God to move, for God to work. They pray before the services as well. During last week, uh, Chris is over there praying, and he senses that God needed to say something. And so he came over and talked to me. Um, this is what he said. He said, I felt like God needs to tell somebody that they had a word that they believed when they were younger, but they've been questioning it for a long time, and that God wants to remind them today that what they believed when they were young is true and real, and they need to reach back to that. So at the 9 a.m. service, I came back up on stage at the very end, and I just said, hey, I sensed a couple of things. I shared one thing, and uh, in the 9 a.m. service, I don't even know if I did it in the 11 a.m. service. I said, um, and, and I think that there's somebody here that needs to hear from this, this word from God, that what you believed when you were younger is still true and real. And you might be struggling to believe it now, but I promise you, it's still there. Nobody came to talk to me. I don't know anybody came to talk to anybody on the prayer team, nothing. Which leads to the very last way that God speaks. God often speaks in the gathered assembly. When the church gathers together, uh, Jesus promises that when his body gathers, that he as the head of his body is going to be uniquely present with us. I shared how God spoke to me in a gathered assembly, in a worship service, when God told me I was supposed to adopt our youngest son. I shared that last week. I've seen God speak so many times when I'm gathered for worship. Why? Because he's uniquely, powerfully present. I think also we kind of come with an expectation when we're doing it right that God is here and he wants to say something. So God speaks. Let me finish the prompting of the Holy Spirit that Chris and our prayer team had. I didn't hear anything about what I said. I was like, all right, Lord, maybe that was for somebody online. Who knows? I don't know what you want to do with that but I'm trying to be faithful and obedient to you. So I get this email later that night. I'd like to read it to you. I've gotten permission from the person who sent it to read it to you. She said, this past Thursday, for the first time in my life, I considered the idea of not being a Christian. I thought about what it would be like. I'd be able to do whatever I want, and I wouldn't have to worry about what God thought. The idea of that seemed so freeing. But I knew that even if I wanted to leave the faith, there would always be conviction in my mind, and that frustrated me. I felt like I didn't actually have a choice. I was either to be a Christian or constantly feel like I was doing something wrong. I've heard so much about how God is freeing, but that didn't feel free at all. It felt like I was trapped in Christianity. And as I was feeling this way, I thought back on my past self. I thought about how strong my faith was when I was younger, I was so passionate and in love with Jesus, but now my faith feels clouded with doubts and frustrations. I've been slipping into the world's harsh and negative view of Christianity for years now. I'd lost that relationship with him. I'd lost that childlike faith. And if I'm honest with myself, it's been gone for a long time. Over the past couple years, I've convinced myself that I'll never be able to go back to the faith that I used to have. I've tried. I just haven't been able to get there. Maybe I was just naive then, and it was 
Never really real at all. Maybe I was just brainwashed and now I'm finally coming to my senses. But no matter how much I thought that, I knew that if I tried to leave Christianity, I would always feel convicted. And that frustrated me. I ended that Thursday night not feeling any better about the situation. I felt no passion. I felt no God. I just felt lost. Fast forward to today. Sunday. This morning, I went to church because, well, that's what I always do. The sermon was about listening to God, and that's something I haven't genuinely tried to do in a long time. I've been frustrated because I felt like God wasn't showing up for me, but if I'm honest, I wasn't truly showing up for him either. Every time I tried to reach out, I didn't feel anything, and because I got tired of not feeling anything, I just stopped trying. But during worship, I was feeling emotional because I felt God whispering to me, I've been here the whole time. My heart still wasn't sure, though. I was guarded. If he really has been here, why haven't I seen him? After worship time and the service, Torn went on stage and said, there's someone here this morning who had a word you believed when you were younger, but you've been questioning it for a long time. God is reminding you today that what you believed when you were young is true and real, and you need to reach back to that. I immediately knew God was trying to get through to me. My roommate, who was standing beside me, also sensed that God was trying to speak to me. I was completely overwhelmed. God showed up, and he found a new way to speak to me. He used the service to specifically reach out and remind me that he is very real, and he is still good. This all happened only about 10 hours ago, so there's still a lot that I need to pray about and process but this is the first time in a long time that I felt God show up so boldly for me. It was transformative, and I'm so thankful for a church that seeks to listen and follow his guidance. I cannot predict how God will speak to you. I can't give you a formula that if you'll do X and Y, you'll get Z, but I can tell you this. Though he is mysterious, he is consistent. And as his word says in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God's still speaking. Father, we want to hear from you today. We want to hear from you this week. We want to hear from you in the future when we're not sure what to do. And God, we know that your ways are higher than our ways. And sometimes we don't always understand you. We don't get you. Sometimes you don't always make perfect sense in the moment. But God, we know that you are consistent. And so we will continue to reach out. We will continue to pray and listen fast and read your word. We'll talk to others. We'll listen to spiritual advisors that you've placed in our lives. Because God, we know that you speak because of your love. You guide because of your love. God, you know the future. You're better at making decisions than we are. <laughs> we don't always think so. I certainly don't. But God, I know it's true. I've seen it time and time again. So God, give us faith to trust. Give us passion to seek. For your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name.